Hey everybody, welcome back to That Scale RC Show. My name is Jeremy and I am here with... Adam Dean. Adam Dean. And uh, this is our first show of 2020. So I uh, forgot to look up what episode we're on. What, 31? Is that what it is? I believe it's 31. 31. So yeah, first episode of 2020 and episode 31, which is great. And um, right off the top it is starting out to be a good year because we have rc four-wheel drive leaf spring chassis conversion kit yes i didn't know where you're going with this i wasn't sure <laughs> i wasn't sure i'm excited sure about start, it <laughs> well i wasn't sure if you're going to start talking about that or mentioning the fact that we got patreon i didn't know where you're going so you left mm. me in suspense so you even have you even have your co-host in suspense you just had genuine surprise as a reaction to what I just said. Exactly. That's good. That means the show's authentic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, that that is an incredibly cool thing that just came out. And uh, honestly, I thought I'd be hearing more about it. I thought there'd be more people freaking out, going, "Oh, rad! We can build leaf rigs now." And I, well, it's like it came out, and then kind of people haven't been blowing it up like I thought they would. Okay, so here, here's, I guess, the best way I can describe it is going to be, it's going to have that same kind of reaction from your people in the one-to-one world. You know, they always say there's that joke, and I'm sure, like, you should probably start thinking about this now, because remember when you were doing those badass SOR t-shirts, like you had the, um, what was the one, you had the one with the honcho on it, the trail slayer. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You might need to come out with something like this. There's a shirt. The leaf that you... blower. No, they said leaves are for poor people. That's that, mean. That was that's always been the joke in the one to one world. If your if your wheeler is leaf sprung, you're poor. That was always the joke. So, employ. God damn it. <laughs> we're leaving that. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, I'm not editing that out. That's golden. I hope it's an angry customer now and we get to hear that too on the machine. No, I turned it off. Um, Go figure. At 8.34 at night. That was a business line, right? Office is closed. You sons of... Yeah, no. I've, dude, I've gotten phone calls. Like, okay, so in in our den is where the studio and stuff is set up. Mm-hmm. And I've got a phone in there, and then I also have a phone in the shop area. And so, in, like, I've gotten calls at, like, 2, 2.30 in the morning before from people. It's like, wow. I mean, granted, they don't realize that, you know, I'm sleeping next to the phone, but... Well, see, that's the other thing to do. Side note. So, over these last two weeks... Oh, actually, I've been working on it over the last, like, two months, but this last two weeks since, like... You know, due to the fact that we had Christmas, then we had New Year's. Like my work schedule has been kind of like a roller coaster. Every spare time I've had has been dedicated to me finishing my new workstation. So I have like my own like basically it's like a tough shed kind of thing, but it's all set up for me to work on my stuff, have a nice clean area to work, 
I'm trying to get in there to where I can start doing the podcast in there. We will no longer have any phone interruptions, but I'm trying to air it out because it smells like because I used um, OSB for anybody in construction that's orient orientated or whatever the hell they call it strand board. Um, basically, it's that it's a bunch of like chips of ply or chips of wood that they like press together and glue together, and oh, then yeah, yeah. It creates a sheet of plywood. Well, it's cheap, so I use that as the interior walls. The problem is you, it stinks. It off-gasses for, like, two weeks, so it, like, just reeks. Like, uh, today, actually, when I got off work, I was like, oh, it's 4.30. I said, I can actually, like, work for, like, an hour. I was in there for an hour. I come out, and I'm like, all right, I better go get something to eat. So go inside. Michelle's like, hey, you stink. And I'm like, I stink? And she goes, yeah, you like, well, I don't know what that smell is. And I'm like, so I, I lifted my shirt up and I smell, I was like, I smell like an OSB board. Like, I smell like the product. Like, it's off-gassing and I'm just like wafting in it. That sucks because it's not like nice like wood smell when you use other stuff. No. Uh, gross. That's no good. Lisa so. for poor people. I can't believe that is, man. Of course, I don't pay attention to that side of the one-to-one -one world. Like, my interest is, like, desert racing and King of the Hammers and stuff like that, you know? And so, oh. you know, and, like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different motorsports that I enjoy watching and stuff, but it's usually, like, unconventional. Like, I'm not a NASCAR guy. I'm not a drag racing guy or anything like that. It's, like, other types of racing that are, aren't quite as well-known but are, get you know, starting to get some traction, like King of the Hammers, where it just gets bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. And, uh, oh, sorry, one sec. So I don't, you know, I, since I don't like follow like the four wheeling, like just sport wheeling, rock crawling crowd, I don't know any of those one to one terms or anything like that. Like, I know, like, they call like, you know, the double I beam suspension on rigs, you know, with, that like the you remember like the Fords and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the like, Fords. Yeah, they call those like hookers and stuff like that. And so there's like a whole separate type of slang around like the desert scene than there is like the you know uh, the wheeling scene. So I yeah. miss out on that stuff. Well, so yeah, so that's that that okay. So if we're getting back to that. That's my only like I guess that's my only take on it because if you really think about it, it's kind of moving technologically backwards because leaf springs have been out since like the dawn of automobiles practically yeah. and they have and eventually everything you know morphed into you know linked linked suspension i mean uh you know jeeps come from the factory um linked now uh some of your well no that's more ifs but i was gonna say some of your suvs now are linked but that's not true it's they're more ifs but in the wheeling world People are actually taking leaf sprung rigs and they're throwing links under them with coilovers to make them super flexible. You know, they they just start, they articulate way more than leafs. But the cool thing in the scale world is leaf springs allow you to replicate, you know, certain you know builds because it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, I take take for instance my yellow uh, blazer that I call old old yeller. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be a 71 blazer but it's all linked right 
So it's like realistically, that'd be like, oh yeah, somebody took the blazer and linked it. Whereas if you really wanted to make a true replica build now, now you could get this kit, throw leafs underneath it. It may not perform as well as the links, but you're going to get your point across. So I think it's cool because now that's on my radar because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I've been talking about wanting to do a replica of my one-to-one build, and my one-to-one wheeler is my 94 that has been solid axle swap, so there's no more IFS, and it's got Leafs front and rear, so I think that'd be totally cool. Oh, yeah. Like, for for a scale builder's standpoint, it's super sick, but, like, honestly, I don't care if it doesn't perform as good as rigs with coilovers and links. Like, like to me, it's going to present a totally different set of challenges, and I think that's actually going to be really fun. Like, I, I don't want it to crawl like my other cars, you know? Like, if I build something like that, like, I want it to be different, and because it keeps everything fresh and new and, you know, exciting, and, you know, there's just different challenges that go along with it. So I, I'm actually really excited about that kit. The only drawback is, like, I do feel like it's kind of overpriced. Like, 130 bucks is pretty expensive, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I feel that, too. The only reason why I think they started at that price is if you actually go out and buy all their leaf components and, like, their leaf, you know, parts for their what is it the trail finders mm-hmm. um they're pretty expensive to begin with so if you were to outsource all this and piecemeal it you're you're probably going to be a little bit more than that if you were to buy it all yourself that's true and it does look like the chassis is specific um but i mean granted we've seen guys like build their you know like build their own setups and piece things together or use um, the little bit of aftermarket support that's out there, like the spring purchase from uh, JEC and stuff like that. So it's, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it, it, it is nice because, you know, the dude that lives in an apartment and can't be running power tools and stuff like that, it's, you know, a direct bolt-on thing with having its own chassis. So that's cool. And, you know, I, I, I think that more and more there, the industry is going to start to realize that a lot of hobby enthusiasts in scale RC like you know I I look at like our customer base and stuff and I I ship to us like a pretty large number of uh, PO boxes and apartment buildings you know and so I think you're gonna see more plug-and-play stuff because not everybody has the chance to fabricate stuff in their own home you know so I, I I I do like the fact that you know it is all just bolt together and you're done but, you know, I, I, I think we'll see just more brands keeping that in mind for people that are looking for performance upgrades and stuff like that. Yeah, and while we're on that whole bolt-on um, topic, maybe I should have shared this gold that I found a while ago. Um, there's a guy that I stumbled across on Shapeways who has been making leaf spring, like, conversion mounts, I guess you can say, 3D printed. Um for the SCX-10, uh, the original platform, and he's just recently dabbled into the SCX-10-2 platform. Um, he's got some pretty cool mounts that go in place of the uh, link mounts, and it mm-hmm. bolts into the same spot. And the cool thing is, which, I mean, I'm no metal expert, so I'm not 100% sure, you know, strength-wise, what this means. 
the cool thing is I thought the price point for what it is was actually pretty cool. So he's got he's got mounts, so they bolt into its place. And I'll probably end up throwing this up on our um, on our page and on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, they bolt up into place in that same spot in the two holes, and then it gives you a spot, like a flat spot, where the leaf spring would rest, and you can bolt it in there. And then it's got this little tab that L's up so you could um, – or triangulates up so you can put your shock there. And the whole thing's 3D printed out of brass. I mean bronze. Oh, nice. It says, Bronze. It says bron- 3D printed bronze steel. That is probably the same stuff that Knight Customs uses. And if that's the case, that is going to be extremely strong because the Knight Customs bumpers and stuff, like their Toyota bumper, isn't you know 316. It's like what most people build stuff out of. It's it's thinner, but it does look incredibly scale. But I was never able to even hurt that thing. I mean, like the little well, single bars that stick out never bent. Like that material mm-hmm. is incredibly strong. Well, the cool thing that I thought too was for what it is and being three D printed, I think that I think just those lower mounts, I think were something like twenty eight bucks, thirty bucks. Dude, that's super affordable. For what they are too. And like, you right. know, like I, I thought that was pretty cool. But he also makes which I, I have been looking at, he makes the leaf spring mounts for up in the chassis and he makes them for if you're going to do a long wheelbase he actually has a pretty cool one and I couldn't remember if it was made out of plastic or if it was also 3D printed because a lot of his stuff you could choose either plastic or metal and I know he has one where if you wanted to do a longer wheelbase he actually has part of a chassis rail built into it so when you put it in place it just extends the whole chassis out the back that is way cool. But yeah, this guy's pretty cool. And I, I want to say it's like, oh, here, I'm going to have to look it up now. It's something, it's like Mike something design works or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's pretty It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll have to go find it now. But anyways, so um, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Uh, and I think, you know... It's it's going to give us all options. Like you know, there's so many different kind, like you said, kinds of people. There's the custom fab, the bolt on, you know, and everything in between. So, yeah, no, it's I don't you know we keep saying this all the time too. It's like all these new things that are hitting the market. Like whether you happen to agree with it or not, there's still that like un one like undeniable fact, and that's it it's giving people options, which is awesome. You know, it's like, it may not be for your build or a car like that may not work in your area, but that doesn't mean that it sucks or it's garbage or anything like that. It's just something different. And I, I think that's awesome. And that's, you know, the entire like essence of this hobby is individual individuality and, you know, yeah, creative and stuff. So I think that's, I don't know. I'll never fault anybody for coming out with something new. I think it's rad. So here it is. It's uh, RC Fab Designs by Mike Wilson um, on Shapeways. And, like, I'm looking at the first product. It's, it says Leaf Spring Hanger V3. And basically it's pretty cool because it's like a whole hanger. looks almost like a realistic one that people add on to if they're solid axle swapping their trucks. And he includes um, – because you can get it in multiple setups. But in this one, he includes the holes. So you can actually put the factory, like – axial style bumpers into the mount so that way it'll, it's it serves two purposes so that's it's rad this guy and it's 16 bucks so Dude, it's that's like so good wow that's a great guy, that's a good alternative 
Yeah, I mean, he's got so many things on here that are just like, it's insane. I'm just like... Personally, I'd rather build something like that than do a conversion kit. Like, I just, to me, I think that'd be more fun, but... But yeah, I'll definitely post this up um, tonight. Yeah, I'd never even Um, heard of that. Like, that isn't even something you and I have, like, discussed outside the show or anything. That's pretty cool. It was one of the things that I forget how I stumbled across it, and... I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But at the time, he only had like three things on his shapeway. So I was like, oh, I'll circle back later. And I forgot about it, and I happened to log on. And all of a sudden, he had like 16 products. And I'm going, whoa, this guy's been doing work. That's awesome. So, And props to him too because like honestly, all that like 3D modeling and stuff like that and CAD drawing, that is not easy. So, I mean, doing something is preci- you know, that's so – precision based like what he's doing that's badass so hats off to that dude so yeah so no it's pretty cool um but yeah so i think it's gonna be interesting the leaf spring thing but my only question and this is what's really gonna start you know and i'm just gonna be that guy so i'm gonna stay right now how is this (laughs) how is this gonna affect axial fest oh that is a very very good point i don't know because you're, you know, because in the past, you know, they have made that stink about. I wouldn't say stink, but they brought it to awareness that, like, oh, they wanted it to be, you know, X amount of percent of the vehicle axial based. Well, if it's leaf sprung now, and it's the RC four wheel drive kit, and now the chassis rails are technically RC four wheel drive, are they going to frown upon you bringing it to axial fest? I would imagine if they're going to be fair about it and have it be fair for everybody that's had to do this in the past i think it will need to be a uh, authorized chassis for whatever the extra dollar amount is that you pay like what toizuki and some of the other guys have done yeah so well and they've always had a big presence at axial fest too rc4 wheel drive has I, i would i would imagine you know to keep their customers happy and everybody else they would probably pony up the extra dough to uh have people be able to run that chassis yeah, if, you're right. You know, you're... if it makes a splash, like I'm hoping it does. And I really do. Like, I mean, I honestly would like to see that become a great selling product for them because I think it's pretty sick. Yeah, no, I definitely think so too. And it's actually funny. Um, Elio's already ordered one. Oh, really? Mm hmm. That's cool. That'll be nice. So, also, I guess while we're on that topic, maybe I should just throw it out here. Um, Axial, aka Horizon, has released some key events that they're having this year, and this is going to be the first year that there are multiple Axial Fests. Man, people have been asking about that for a long time. So, they have Axial Fest Badlands, which is actually, oh, it is literally a month ahead of the... OG Axial Fest. Um, Axial Fest Badlands is June 25th to 27th at Badlands Off-Road Park in Attica, Indiana. I've heard it's incredible. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, And then Axial Fest, what I call the OG Axial Fest, the real Axial Fest, is July 22nd to the 25th at Donner Ski Ranch in Norden, California. 
which is awesome. I think there'll be a lot of happy people that it is uh, back at Donner because it, I don't know, I didn't think you could get much better in Cisco Grove, but evidently Donner uh, is, so that's that's pretty rad. Yeah, no, so it's pretty cool. And I know we got it I know we got this question that was asked to us because I one of our actual listeners is from um the land up north in Canada, in Canada, and uh he actually said, you know, what are your guys' plans? And he said being that he's in Canada, he says he thinks the one in Indiana is easier for him to attend. I said honestly, I'll be at the California one for sure because it's in my backyard. Mm-hmm. I said Indiana. I just don't know if I could swing it. It'd be cool to do both, but I mean, it's I mean it's a, it's literally a month apart. And I think the only reason why it's exactly a month apart is that allows the Horizon and Axial guys to be able to be out there and then get back to California and get everything going. Exactly, because that's a lot of setup and staging type things that they need to haul around, especially all the way back to Indiana. So I I think that's a good idea rather than having the trip from SoCal up to Donner. They just go from Indiana just straight to Donner probably. Yeah, but I didn't realize this one. Um, RC Fest, which is by Horizon, is June 12th through the 14th. So that's like two weeks ahead of that in Monticello, Illinois. Hmm. So that'll be interesting. And then this one's actually pretty cool too. I bet you my MKS guys, well, not my, not my guys that I know, but the people from the Plains and probably Thomas will be there. They have a Horizon Air Meet 2020, August 15th and 16th in Germany. Oh, wow. So they're they're like spreading out big time. Yeah, they really are. They're, that, that's cool, though, because, I mean, we've seen that with all the international Recon G6s and stuff. Like, it is huge. And, like, even looking at our listener base, I mean, dude, we got people that listen to us from India. Like, I did not ever consider that there would be a scale RC scene in India. And I think that's sick, too. I would love to see what they run because of the fact that, you know, they, they have a lot of different vehicles in different parts of the world that we don't ever get to see here in America, like the Pajero, for example, and stuff like that. Like, you know, so it, they could be doing totally different builds. And if you happen to be from one of these other countries that uh, is into this and we may not even know about the scene there, like, let us know. Like, post some pictures up on the page or send us some info or something. Like, I, I am super interested to know what the scale RC scene is like in the country that you live in versus what you see going on here in America. Well, you know, it's actually pretty funny is I know this, they're probably not listeners, but there's a handful of people that I follow on Instagram that are from like, there's this guy, I think his name's like Arctic or attic Russia or something like that. Or ATAC. Oh yeah. I follow that guy too. He his stuffs a, a lot of it's pretty much stuff like we would see over here. It's a lot of like jeeps and unimogs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's that other guy, Scale Monkey, who's out of Germany. He only builds K5 Blazers oh, wow. or anything of that nature, like K10s, pickup trucks, crew cab pickup trucks. But his base model is like the Trailfinder, whatever. I don't know if it's you know don't. Anybody listening, don't jump down my throat too bad. I don't know if the Trailfinder or the Trailfinder 2 is the leaf sprung or not leaf sprung version, but he basically uses the Trailfinder and he builds badass 
you know, Blazers and K10s and K20s and all kinds of variants. It's pretty cool. If I remember right, that dude in Russia, he, I want to say I've seen some of his builds and I think I've seen like a D90 or 110, but like it had not super tall tires or anything on it, but really wide deep dish tires. And I noticed that in that part of the world, how they build their defenders and stuff like that. And even in Italy, I've seen this, they, um, they run these super deep dish wheels with like not very tall swampers, but they just have this massive wide footprint. And I've seen a lot of, uh, RC rigs that are built that kind of model the appearance of what they happen to wheel in that part of the world. So I thought that was kind of cool, you know, like you don't see many D nineties on like 15 by 10 wheels in America, you know, but like, that's what they run over there. It's really cool to see. And so I'd, I'd really like to see more pictures from different areas of the world, just to see what people build versus what we think is cool here in America. Oh yeah, no, that'd be totally cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's always cool to see everybody's take on everything. So, um, yeah, it, like like Jay said, if if you're from another part of the world, you know, just let let us know. Send us pictures. You know, drop us a line. You know, say hey, this is what we run out here. You know, we'd love to touch touch base on it and like you know give it a quick little shout out so you know there other people that are listening and are curious that can actually you know learn what you're running over there too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I mentioned it before, so I figure we'll just get it out of the way now. Um, Patreon. We have Patreon now to help support the show. We do. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah. So, um, like Adam said, we have a Patreon right now, and we kind of – tried to explain it on our Facebook page a little bit, but basically Patreon is a platform where you can support artists, um, performers, crafters, and things like that. It's all geared towards people creating stuff. And it is in a way almost like a crowdfunding type situation where you pledge a dollar amount or a certain dollar amount each month and that basically just helps these people continue to uh do what they do it's something that you really see a lot of in the uh like comic-con and cosplay industry a lot of those Mm -hmm. uh crafters that do prop making and stuff have a patreon and some people actually make a living doing what they love because they have such a massive fan base that is supporting them so that they can keep creating content so it's really cool um we are not trying to quit our day jobs or anything and just do this full time, just so you guys know. So we're not expecting you to uh, make us wealthy or anything like that. Um, we have three patrons right now, uh, totaling $17 a month, which you guys, when I say that, you're probably like, oh, 17 bucks a month. Like, honestly, that is huge. And for us, that's incredibly generous. Um, that covers our monthly subscription fee to Podbean. And, you know, it's like any little amount helps, you know, it's, it, it all adds up to a lot in the end. So this just, you know, you guys took the weight of having to pay that bill each month. Uh, You took that weight off of our shoulders. So, I mean, that, that's incredibly cool. And 
the neat thing with Patreon and once we get, a, you know, like a little further along in it and stuff and uh, we kind of see how 2020 plays out with us work-wise and, you know, our schedule and what we're able to commit to, um, you can do a reward system for your patrons on Patreon. And so you can even set it up in tiers where a $5 tier gets you... Um, to listen to the show a day early or you get, um, you know, they'll, they'll just give you like little teasers. Like, so in the costuming world, it's like, you'll get like prints or a calendar at the end of the year or stuff like that. And so what we were thinking is depending on like the pledge amount, you know, do like, just some product to give back to you guys is a way of saying thank you. So let's say you're a $10 a month member, then, you know, you get whatever rewards are for that tier, whether it's, um, you know, like a, a decal sheet or an iron on or a patch or whatever, you know, as we get more popular on Patreon and we start getting more money, we can use that money too, to give back to you guys to have cool things from, the show and everything and so um it, and really patreon's cool because the sky's the limit it's like you know let's say there's some bill gates out there that's like all right i'm gonna pledge 100 bucks a month to you guys like we can come up with something where it's like okay as a reward like if you are crazy and you pledge 100 bucks a month to us you know we'll like do up a custom build for you or you know like you supply it and adam and i'll work together and put the thing together like i'll do the body or adam will build something and so there's like a lot of different ideas that can be thrown around in regards for a reward system and it's basically just you know some out of the box thinking and trying to uh get creative with what those rewards are for the people that are, you know, making that commitment to uh, help financially support this project of ours. So, um, super cool. It's a neat platform and I am so just over the top grateful for the three guys that we have so far that have contributed because that that's incredibly generous. It's, it's crazy to know that, you know, somebody cares enough about the show to where they're willing to like give you some money to keep doing it like i mean that that's i don't know to me that's a pretty special thing i think that's awesome well that's also why and i know i mentioned it to you i texted it to you um i would like to do like i think it'd be kind of cool to say all right so if you play if you are a patreon um and you're a certain tier whatever we'll figure like i said like jason we'll figure all that all the logistics out afterwards but i'd like to do something where we say, hey, these are some topics we want to talk about. You call the shots. What what topics do you want us to talk about this episode? And those are the topics we're going to talk about. You're going to get the credit for us talking about that, um, whether it's a group of you, just one of you, depending on how it is. Because, um, like, I myself follow some people on Patreon. Like, there's a guy who does a lot of, like, tactical reviews and, like, bug out bags and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's got a Patreon, and I'm like one of the only guys who does like who's in like the five dollar tier. So, which is crazy because you know he's like it's like some people like they're stingy people. You know, there's some, some people that are like I can't even afford that, which is fine. We're not saying that everybody needs to, you know, kick in, but it kind of blows my mind that it's like I'm like the only person that's donating the five dollars. And so he gets so what he'll do is he'll put up a poll, and since I'm the only one in there, 
I get to basically call the shots what his next video review is going to be on. That's killer. That's a great idea, having the listeners help pick content and stuff. And well, yeah, and it, it gets them more involved. Um, we kind of get to hear what they want to talk, what they want to hear about, what interests them. And, you know, it kind of, you know, I just think it's kind of cool, and it's a nice way to give back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And plus, I mean, we could even take it further, and like for a certain dollar amount, like that, as one of the rewards, you get to appear on the show quarterly or something, you know, or you know, and be a guest, or you know, there's all kinds of different things that we could do. And uh, I, th- I think what we'll probably do in the future is uh, make a post and uh, do some sort of a poll as to what you guys would like your awards to be and uh i have the the pledge amounts and stuff like that completely transparent on our patreon page so you guys will know exactly how many supporters we have and how many people uh, or excuse me and the dollar amount that's contributed each month so you know you can kind of see like you know don't expect you know like if we're at 20 bucks a month don't expect you know like you know something unrealistic that that 17 or excuse me, 20 can't help cover, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, we'll do some sort of a poll as far as like what you guys would like to see as far as rewards go. But like I said, that you can see exactly what our income for the show is. And, uh, you know, that'll obviously have to be kind of factored and taken into consideration. Yeah. And like Jay said, you know, we can always do like a calendar or something like that. You know, I don't know if anyone wants to see that, but we can always do a calendar. Dude, I would love that. I think like honestly, I think a scale RC calendar that is a collection of the best photos submitted by listeners would be awesome. Like, uh, and God, I'm gonna forget his name, and I feel really bad. But the only cover photo contest we've won, it was that one guy with the uh, Makaya Holt. Yeah, so he's he's got the awesome power wagon that is our uh, right now. It's our banner picture on the Patreon page. So it would be neat to have the listeners submit their best scale photos and we pick them each year and do a calendar that goes out to our patrons, you know, at the end of the year. And it's a, you know, an awesome collection of great shots of you guys, you know? So I think that's a really cool thing to kind of help grow the community and stuff. And, uh, you know, like a, a, a cool little reward. Like, I, I don't know me personally, I'd be stoked on something like that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so we have, like, the sky's the limit. We just, like, the one thing I told Jay before we finished, um, you know, 2019 was I said, 2020, I want to hit it hard. I got a bunch of ideas. I think we can make this happen. Let's start getting our listeners more involved. Let's start, like, stepping it up. We've been, you know, we're starting to get, like, our feet under us so we can, you know, we're getting used to this, more comfortable. So definitely want to start doing some bigger, better things for 2020. Yeah, for sure. And platforms like this help make that possible. So that that's why it's so awesome to see support from you guys. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a humbling thing having people care about you. Well, the other thing that's pretty cool too is, you know, um, I know a lot's kind of happened, you know, in the two-week hiatus that we've been gone when it really hasn't been a hiatus. We just, there's been holidays and you know, conflicting schedules and all that stuff due to the holidays, um, which actually we haven't even talked about that. We'll circle around to that. But um, <laughs> we have added uh, Spotify. Yes, that's right. I forgot. I forgot to bring Stitcher, that up. Stitcher. Stitcher. Yep. And is there one more? 
I think that's it so far is just the other one that I was going to look into. And I just learned about this the other day, but I didn't realize that iHeartRadio has podcast too. Oh, okay. So that's another uh, platform we need to look into getting on there. But what I noticed was with adding those, uh, those other two platforms, the amount of growth we've had and the amount of people reaching out saying, oh, I'm catching up, and now that it's on this, you know, thank you so much for putting it on. Like, for instance, um, he, I know on Instagram, his name's Tim RC, um, but his actual name uh, is Jade uh, Warbottom. I didn't know that's who that was. Yeah, that's Tim RC. Okay. Yeah. No, I've followed him for a really long time. Like I've, I didn't, it, I never made the connection. Like I, I know who Jade is, but I never made the connection that his Instagram was a temp RC though. That's killer. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Right on. Yeah. Um, so he actually reached out to us on our Instagram and, um, said he, you know, this is exactly what he said to me. You know, I'll keep it super transparent. He goes, I'm on episode 20, and now when you guys are talking about doing Overland Expedition vehicles, I think you guys should do it. Um, I'm doing a Chevy Overland as well, and it's a fun project. Also, listening to the podcast is dangerous because I feel like I hang out with you guys all day and actually know you. Keep up the good work. So, I mean, hearing stuff like that is awesome. I mean, Dude, that's like the best compliment i think we've ever gotten like that that's pretty incredible like i mean that, so, that makes some that kind of gives you the warm fuzzies you know well yeah and i mean and we've been getting it from a ton of people um i actually got a buddy um one of like i guess i can say my our biggest supporter that i personally would say i know um ryan crowley out of uh, arizona Oh, yeah. He hit he hits us up all the time, you know. Always con- like talks on the show. We also have our regulars, which we got to get into as well, that are always you know um, answering our questions. And when we put out a poll, like hey or you know hey we're recording, get those questions in. I mean these are all names that I see all the time. Chris Trudeau, we see his name all the time. Ed Wegner, see him. Kyle Predmore, Elliot Chapel, Jeremy Kim. I mean all these people. They're 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 frequent. You know, I guess frequent. What are the? I'm trying to think of a, the proper word. Not. I mean, they are frequent listeners, but they're they're the ones that are the most frequent in engagement with what we're doing. So I mean, it's right, awesome. Right. You know, it's awesome to see to get this feedback. Exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say we actually got, um, which I if I find it, I can actually read it word for word too. Um, I sent you this text the other day um, from Scooter Scott. It was funny. He messaged yesterday saying, "Going through withdrawals for a new episode. You gotta hook a brother up." And he and I said, "Laugh out loud." It's funny you mentioned that because we record tomorrow night, so it'll be our first episode of 2020. So I mean, there's people that are actually like super engaged in this, and it's really humbling to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's going good, you know? Like, I, I mean, I I was super excited about doing this episode. Like, that little break kind of just got me fired up. And, like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of cool things happening in the hobby right now. And we'll, we'll get into all that when we talk about our predictions and stuff like that, you know, and trends coming up here uh, when we start answering the questions. But 
it's going to be a really great year all around, I think. I think 2020 is going to be pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah I can't wait. Um, but, yeah, I guess to circle back real quick, and then I guess we can jump into questions. Um, how was your Christmas? It was so nice, dude. It was super low-key, and, uh, you know, we just hung out, and uh, I I pretty much worked the whole time through it, but... I mean, that's okay. Like, I've, I've got super caught up on work and stuff, which is nice. So, no, it was, it was good. Um, I didn't get out and do any crawling, which kind of kills me. But this is such a busy month right now that, you know, with Hobby Expo coming up and whatnot, that uh, that that's okay. I'll, I'll get time to go crawl a little bit later. But, no, it was just low-key. Nice. How about, how about you, man? Uh, Christmas is always, uh, it's always kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if hectic's the right word to use, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, being that my mom's side of the family is pretty big, you know, we always meet up and have dinner and all this, that, and the other, so, um, we have to squeeze that in. I literally worked up until the 23rd. I actually had Christmas Eve and Christmas off, but, um, I was working on, like I said, my shop area, you know, um, so that way I have a nice, you know, clean area to work on all the cars and stuff. Um, and, and yeah, I didn't really do too much crawling, but I did due to the fact having some of those, like I called it a roller coaster through those two weeks. Um, I also was able to get my Capra finally assembled, final pieces put together. It's a, it's running under its own power. I just got to get it out and crawl it now. Nice. So I, that was like that was like a huge accomplishment for me. I was so stoked. The only thing that really, really bummed me out, but there's a couple ways I could fix this. I was a little impatient, and I decided to tr- attempt a paint job I've never done before, and I wanted this like splatter fade effect, and I think I achieved that pretty well, but where I failed was not paying attention to my masks and they kind of lifted so some of the masks are a little muddy oh, so brother. I'm like oh it just killed me because I'm like I was so pumped and I was like this oh, is just <laughs> so yeah don't feel bad I ruined the drag body that I was building so <laughs> so yeah so I had a paint reaction and it uh it crackled on me so yeah my problem was to achieve the look that i was doing mind you that you know which is something else that i want to jump into for 2020 if there's anybody that that listens to us that is like experienced with this i'd love to hear some feedback some tips product recommendations um but way back when i first got into this back in like 2009 2010 i i want to say was it like the? I want to say it was like the fourth Christmas, after being with Michelle, her dad bought me a airbrush kit, the little compressor. Oh wow! Um, and it's by that company, Pache or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. It's a popular brand. I've seen it before. It's at a lot of hobby shops, but um, I never really used it. I made sure it worked. I. You know, because I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what paints to use. I don't know which ones work better. So, anyways, 
I haven't really gotten to experiment with that, but I want to start messing with that a little bit more now. So I was doing my paint job with the rattle cans, and to get that fade effect that I wanted, I kind of had to spray at a distance to get the fade to start, then take a piece of tape and make my transition line, the hard line, so when you paint it up to there, the color wouldn't go farther and you wouldn't keep like fading onto, you know, the clear plastic and, you know, eventually not being really able to have a fade. And the problem with that was I wasn't paying attention to my mask and a couple of them started lifting because the way that um, the way that paint is in the can, I know it kind of reacts with stuff differently and sometimes with the vinyl mask, it makes it like it kind of like makes the the vinyl really like I guess soggy is the word yeah, to say. I've had so, that happen and it's left crap on the windows. Well, yeah. So not only that, what it'll do is it create the lines don't become as crisp, and then when you keep painting, eventually when you peel it off, it like kind of like bled underneath it a little bit, so it creates these like muddy lines. So it just yeah, I was I was really bummed. But painting well, is hard and it's not a game for impatient people like me. Yeah, and that was the other problem too. It was cold. I was using a hair dryer in between coats, trying to heat it up and this, that, and the other. And yeah, I just, yeah. But hopefully yeah. I know a guy that might be able to fix it with a wrap. But Yeah, I think I think I might know someone too. So You, you know, it's funny, you know, and this kind of goes along the lines of what you're saying. So I, um, people, if you've been on my on the Facebook page for the show at all. You've seen the progress pictures that we're doing of the uh, mobile indoor crawling course that we're doing for the expo and stuff. And so I've been spending just about, well, a lot of my spare time lately uh, working on that and everything. And it's been so much fun. But the guy that I'm doing it with, the owner of uh, um, Die Hard RC, Brett, he, he pointed out to me that I am very much a uh, rapid rewards type of person. I'm not like the journey guy. I'm the destination guy. So it was <laughs> kind of funny. And like today when I saw that happen with the drag body, I was like, yeah, he... He's not wrong, <laughs> so maybe I need to like slow down a little bit sometimes. Well, it's hard because I can see what I can see that frustration because like with me, like I saw the vision of how I wanted this to turn out, so I was like, all right, I got to do it. I got you know, and you're, you're like when you start counting down the time, like mind you, it's like Christmas Eve, and I'm like trying to get this stuff done, like before we go out to dinner and stuff, and. I'm sitting here going like, all right, so if I if I sit there, spray it, hit it with the hairdryer for like five minutes, you know, ten minutes, it should be good, and then go back out and do the next coat. Oh, try and get it to flash in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was me. So that's kind of like I feel your pain. But see, I've had success in the past. I think sometimes it's the mask material that I use. Some of it's not as great is the other like I should you know sometimes I use like oh I got a little bit of this vinyl left I don't feel like wasting my good vinyl and I'll just make the masks because who cares you're gonna peel them out anyways sometimes you gotta bite the bullet and use the good stuff to get the you know masks to actually stay so you can have good crisp paint lines and whatnot yeah but anyways but I'm happy it runs I just gotta get it out and use it um the other thing I'm in the middle of working on because I feel like everything is creeping up on me. Um, <laughs> we have closing in. Exactly. Um, 
Elio and myself are helping to host a drag race at JJ Customs in San Jose, California on January 18th, which is not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. So I'm trying to get my drag car done, which like I've literally been getting parts for it or started it, I guess you could say, in the middle of November. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got like a month and a half. I got plenty of time. Lo and behold, two weeks to go, and I'm, and I'm just now starting on it. Man. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's... There's, and that, that's what's tough with me, you know, and like back to that rapid rewards thing. It's like my whole life is like, okay, hurry up and finish this and you're like on to the next thing, you know, because it's like things don't slow down as far as business goes. And like 99% of the projects I do are for business in some way, shape or form, whether it's like a build to test product on a build to show off product. Um, you know, like it, it, I have such a long list of all these different things that I need to do and want to do. And so it's like just blast it as quick as I can and on to the next thing. And that it's, it, it does. I understand that like overwhelming feeling that people get, you know, and it's like, Oh man, like, am I going to get this done? Cause I mean, just thinking about it, like we, I've got a lot to finish just by the end of the month for the hobby expo. And so I'm not quite to freak out stage yet, but I think we're probably well on our way to freak out stage before too long. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. But, but um, uh, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Well, I guess we should start getting into because I don't want to give away too much of like the answers for our question before we get to them, so the people true, get yeah. Plus, it. we're like fifty minutes into, so it's probably a good time to start on those because I think those are the most questions we've had ever so <laughs> yeah. yeah so um let's see all right i am going to start holy moly we've already i mean like i'm there's still people i guess adding in because dude, i just refreshed the page and like you said i think this is the most we've had holy moly goodness okay so i need to get on there and well i, I have them right here okay i just wanted to get on there to kind of like follow follow along so okay, you got switched to all comments. Yeah, I got to switch okay. to all comments. Cool. So I'm just gonna start at the top the way it's on my phone and go down. Um, Rich Morgan, what's your predictions for 2020? What scale rigs should the following makers come out with? Axial Element, Traxxas, and Semi Custom VP and SSD. Um, my predictions for 2020 is. We're going to see some big releases because, you know, that's always what happens. You know, we always get big releases. Um, I mean, Axial finally released the monster truck again, the SMT-10. So I have a prediction that another company um, is going to come out with another monster truck to compete because, you know, just because it's kind of weird that there's only one company doing that. It just doesn't make sense to me why only one's doing it. I mean, some people could say that's a flop item or it's a niche item, but what people forget is like Florida and the East Coast, monster trucks are huge. You know, yeah. that whole scene is huge and a lot of people are doing custom stuff out there. So, if a, if another company got into it, I think we could see it, you know, getting big. Um 
And yeah, and I just expect to see more releases. Um, VP's already starting to do some kind of crazy stuff. Um, like for instance, I believe they just came out with a special dig unit for the forward motor mount setup rig. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to keep experimenting with that. Um, or that platform. So it's still going to be the VS410. I don't see them branching out of that. Um, but yeah, I, that, that would be my prediction. Um, but yeah, what about you? Um, I'm just... I'm, I don't know. I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here, but I, I don't feel that I'm wrong just based on what we've already seen and what we know already. I am going to say that 2020 is probably going to be the biggest and best year that ScaleRC um, has experienced to date. I think that 2020 is going to be a year of innovation, um, a year of change, and I think we are going to be... uh, lucky enough to have some pretty incredible things showing up on the in the marketplace um perfect example again is that rc four-wheel drive lease spring conversion i think that's killer and i i think that's just a taste of things to come and uh no i think 2020 is going to be big i think it's going to be the best year to be involved in this hobby and you know already you know the stuff that we've talked about with two axial fests now you know an east slash midwest one and then the west coast one like that's huge. I mean, there's so many people that have wanted to attend Axial Fest that haven't in the past because they'd be driving across the entire country. And for most of us, that's just not a realistic thing, you know, like that's just, you know, that that's kind of a big thing for most people to uh, try and commit to. And most people honestly just, you know, don't have the money to do it. I know I don't. So um, I think that's going to be awesome. I think that the East Coast Axial Fest is going to be an insane success. I think it's going to be incredible. Um, I know things in our local area are going to be bigger and better this year, like with Die Hard in the Park, um, the Hobby Expo that's coming up. We're going bigger and better than we've ever done in previous years, and uh, I I, th- I think you know, we're ready to kind of blow some minds and really grow the hobby. But no, I, I think this year is going to be like the year. I think it's going to, it's going to be incredible. So, um, just really looking forward to it. it it's, it's going to be pretty neat. We're going to see a lot of really great innovative stuff out of people. Yeah, no. And I think, uh, you touched on, you brought up something that actually I didn't really think about. Um, but the fact that, um, Axial Fest branched out, and they have, like you said, an East Coast slash Midwest, you know, second location this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, somebody like, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Enduro or even uh, Red Cat doing some sort of hosted event, you know, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I could, I could see Red Cat stepping their game up too. You know, with with that latest release, that Scout with the open top is, I mean, hands down the most detailed thing that they've ever released yet. And honestly, I mean, compared to what else is on the market, I I think it's very good and uh, is another like serious option when you're looking for. A scale rig to purchase. I, I think that Red Cat has gone from being kind of a, a joke in a way 
to being, um, I, I think they'll end up being a major player. Um, they changed their logo, which is great. You know, rebranding Red Cat, that, that's awesome, and it looks classier now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I can see them. You know, I, I think they're going to have a bigger presence. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they released another model by the end of the year, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at all either. Um, and I hope they do. I actually hope they do. I mean, granted, like, you know, I'm a team associated driver, but like competition breeds creativity and creativity breeds better. And, uh, you know, that competition between brands and stuff, the, the end, the customer is the one that ends up benefiting from that because everybody's constantly trying to step their game up. So no, I, I think it's rad that they're going to be a serious player. And I, I feel like they are, you know, now like they, I think that open top scout was like really, you know, putting their foot in the ring. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. So I think we're going to see some big things. We already said it. 2020 is going to be a big year. I, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great. I know it is. So Ed Wegner says, do the applications of anti-squat and roll center directly carry over from the one-to-one world? And if so, where's a good place to learn about them and how to apply them to RC crawlers? Now, this is a good question. Um, There's a lot um, that goes on with the one-to-one world that does get um, carried over. Uh, Like, I remember back in the day when you wanted, like, when we, like, when I say back in the day, I'm talking like 2009, 2010. Not that long ago, but long enough to where a lot has changed. Um, you know, the, the fad back then was, you know, almost like how it was with the Wonder Ones. Lift the truck really high, put the biggest tires you can put underneath it, you know, and you'd have crazy rollovers and stuff because you're so tall. Well, then, like in the one to one world, people started doing super low sprung, you know, vehicles, meaning like, like if it, whether it was a low leaf spring kit or low coilovers, they'd set the, the vehicle really low, hog out the wheel wells, or make it so they can fit like 40-inch tires on very minimal lift um, to keep the center of gravity down really low. Um, so yeah, a lot of it can be carried over. Um, the best, I guess, the best way to get you know to learn a lot about this stuff is. Uh, if you're at like a bookstore like Barnes and Noble or anywhere that sells a lot of magazines, look for some of the four-wheeling magazines like uh, Peterson's Four-Wheel Drive, Four-Wheeler. Um, if you want to get hardcore into it, you can pick up Crawl. Um, that Which, one's that's a very cool magazine. Yeah, I mean, and then it's not not only do you get some information on how like the one-to-one suspension works and how like people are setting up rigs, it sometimes it inspires you to build certain rigs based off of rigs that they're building. I mean, I've gotten a lot of inspiration out of those magazines. Like I've watched, I've you know flipped the page and you're like, whoa, that's that's cool, that's badass. I got to make one of these in a scale version, you know. So those are just some of the tips and tricks I guess I have, you know, when it comes to trying to learn anything. You know, is the best way is you know to read about it. Um, another area, and I'm going to say this very, like, you got to tread very lightly when you do go here, is, like, certain forums, like, you could go to Pirate 4x4, and you could probably scour through and just, you know, go down the wormhole of learning about certain things, but the only problem I have with forums like that, especially, like, Pirate 4x4, is the fact that there's a lot of, um, know-it-alls. I guess you should say, or like, 
forum mechanics and they claim they know all this stuff when realistically some of it's good, some of it's not so great, and some YouTube of YouTube certified. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, this, <laughs> you know. So I don't. That's why I say tread lightly. That's why, honestly, I say the magazines are a good place to start because they actually have authors that all they do is write about certain things. Um, you know, they some magazine like in some articles they're talking only about tires. Some art magazines all they're talking about is a certain person's build and how they did it and what they're using and this that you know. So that it that's like I said, that's why I would start with the magazine. Somewhere that's designed, you know it's a reputable thing where you're getting some good information. But yeah, that would be where I'd start. But yes, a lot of it does carry over because like if you can learn like if you learn that you want the uh, center of gravity low, it keeps your scaler from wanting to flip over, and you can have some insane, um, you know, lines, or you can have some insane angles before you know you're going to tip backwards. Yeah, and the thing is too, like, I think if you're looking for inspiration or knowledge, another thing to do is follow. Um, I would suggest Instagram, but follow along, um, like Laser Nut Racing, Jimmy's Four by Four. Haynes or yeah Hayes Jesse Hayes Jesse Hayes yeah, Jesse Hayes um follow I totally blanked on his name for a minute there but anyways um follow those along study their photographs study how they build rigs and stuff like that I I will say this there's the way there's some that carries over I don't know enough about one-to-one -to, -one to tell you if link geometry is going to carry over from a one-to-one -to, -one to an RC because with one-to-one -one still, even no matter how scale you build an RC, the weight is still not going to be proportionate to its size versus its real-life counterpart. You know, like, real rigs are pretty damn heavy, and RC rigs are quite a bit lighter. And it it's not really a fair comparison because nothing is in the same spot. Um, torque yes. is applied differently. Um there there's there's still a lot of differences but some of it may carry over obviously like softer foams is like airing down your tires and that's a terrain you know a tuning option for the terrain that you drive on and stuff um but yeah i mean as far as like trying to learn stuff um follow like the really good chassis builders and stuff too, you know, like follow like Toyzuki online and follow um, like BPC and stuff like that. And pay attention to some of the guys that, you know, build just monster rigs. And uh, I think that's another good way to kind of educate yourself with how all this works. Yeah. I'm not going to get into it too much, but I was going to say um, when you were saying about the link geometry, um, there's really only so many ways I could say you could set up a rig. You know, there's different ver variations of a four link, a three link, a triangulated four link, a parallel four link, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, they do all work differently, um, and everybody's got their opinion. Um, the most common one in RC is a triangulated four link. Um, it just works really well, um, and it's easy to achieve on the rig. Um, but yeah. So, like Jay said, you'll learn all that from all those um, places. 
another one I would throw out there because um, he's kind of been a forgotten guy, but he's been in the in the industry for a very long time. Is uh, Ian? Um, he used to be on Extreme Four by Four, and now he's got his own thing called Big Tire Garage, I think. So you can follow him on Instagram as well, and even uh, the Jeep called Yeti. He builds some awesome stuff too. Oh my God, does he ever! So, um, yeah. Okay, next one. Kyle Predmore, can you touch on full droop setup? Seen it talked about, and I think I know what it means, but I'm probably wrong. Um, full droop is basically kind of what it's saying. You're setting up um, when they say when they use the term droop, that's letting you know kind of what the suspension's doing. If it's drooping, that means typically the suspension set up at the lowest point possible, meaning it's basically riding bump stops, and then as it's driving, instead of it flexing over stuff, it's drooping, so the suspension's falling out from basically from underneath itself to gain traction in the holes or the off-camber you know angles that it's going through. Um, it yeah, works. There's no up travel. Yeah, there's very little up travel. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about full droop, especially in the RC world, it works. It really helps out, especially when you have the center of gravity down low. Um, it really does crawl. I set up one of my rigs prior to the SEX 10 two days uh, in full droop. You actually are, were able to, I mean, I think you can still get them. Um, I should look this up. But G-Made used to make a set of shocks called the Zeros. I want to say, I could be wrong, or no, it was either zeros or transitions, one of the two. I'll have to look it up again. Those shocks were actually designed to be run in droop. So they actually, instead of having an external spring, they have an internal spring, and it actually goes in between the bottom of the shock body and the piston. So basically what's happening is, the spring, when it's fully sprung, pulls your pulls the shock shut, and as you're wheeling, the weight of your tire and the way it's articulating, the suspension drops out, so it droops out, and you ba and every time you're going over something, it naturally the spring wants to bring it back up, so it really kept you planted, you know, as you're crawling over things. It worked really well. Um, some people have made their own setups. I mean, I've made it my own setup for Michelle's dad's uh, Wraith. I actually did um, Traxxas Big Bores, went down to Ace, found some springs that looked like they were going to be the right size and everything, and made it work. And then, yeah. But full droop, that's basically what it is in a nutshell. Um, then there's half droop, which means you're not fully bottomed out so you got a little bit of up travel a little bit of down travel you know so there's different variations of it but it's almost like I mean it kind of is it's almost kind of like a forgotten um, technology setup yeah because now with the way everybody's setting you know like with like you got companies like Proline and now Enduro with their shocks and you know there's all these companies now coming out with these shocks that work so well that you don't really have to set them up and droop anymore. So it's kind of forgotten. Yeah, and there are some drawbacks with full droop. Um, depending on how you have them set up, it can affect its performance side hilling. Um, if you are crawling on an area where 
part of the trail dips away or there's a big hole or gap where the trail is going through. Um, if you're using a traditional coilover shock that typically is, you know, like around 50-50 up travel and down travel, depending where, you know, how you have your ride height set up, you can float tires versus if you are running a full droop setup and you happen to have extremely heavy axles or shocks, when you go over that little gap with one tire, you're going to drop a tire and it can pull the entire rig with you. So it, it's one of those things that is uh, really dependent on the type of terrain and how you have your rig set up, um, whether or not it's going to be the right choice for you. Me personally, um, I think about the only thing I would try that on would be like a capper or a rock buggy, you know. Um, I, I probably wouldn't do it on a on a regular like scale crawler. Well, the other thing too, um, uh, the way I kind of combated that whole, you know, sucking a tire into a obstacle thing was I used to which now I don't even know who's doing it anymore. It's changed hands so many times. Um, the scale limit straps. Oh, those are so cool. So they have changed hands so many times. I think K&K Hardware is doing them now. But, I mean, I remember the original guy who did that. Um, what was his first name? I know it's Kossi. Anyways, um, I think it was Mike Cossey. He started. He did it originally, and he had the whole thing figured out. Then he got out of it, and then um, now I'm drawing a blank on. And then um, Kenton K Best Manufacturing started doing them, and then after that, uh, that's when I think he finally sold it off to. To K and K, I think K and K has it now. But I mean, that thing's changed hands so many times. But the scale limit straps—if you set them up right and you have the right length—some um, people use them for looks, like so you just have them as the same length as the shock, so they'd never—I well, mean, at full extension, so they'd never actually limit it. But you can, if you set them up right, use them as limiters and keep it from falling out. Yeah, that's true. Um. So then the next one is Elliot Chapel says, if the past is over and the future has yet to be created and the now is over the second it's created, what time do we live in? Party time. There you go, party time. <laughs> God, I don't know. That That's pretty deep for a 14-year-old. Um, Elliot, go play some video games. <laughs> go, go be a kid or something. <laughs> <laughs> um we live in the now then yeah it, yeah there is no past only the future and the present but um yeah um and then alan uh brigden says he just finished his first tamiya 14th semi truck 14 14th scale semi truck what do you guys think and what experience do you have with this part of the scale rc hobby I think it's rad. I think he built a badass truck. I'm looking at it right now, and I think it looks incredible. Um, I haven't dabbled in it, but I yeah, know, like I ma mad props to the guys that do because it's sick. Um, I know Dan Davidson's getting from Beef Tube's getting super involved in doing it. 
Yeah, no, I haven't. I have no. Ex- I have no experience in that, but um, I do know that that scale, especially for the um, scale, you know, semi, is very like it's a. For some reason, that's the popular size. Um, it'd and be I think cooler if they were one tenth, but it'd probably be so expensive that nobody could afford them. That's was gonna be my thing. I think it'd be very large, so it'd get very expensive quick. So um, yeah. But no, they're they're cool. Just very little, you know, knowledge. It's a, um, it's a niche thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it it's got its its fan base and stuff. Um, it, in my opinion, it absolutely falls under the scale RC umbrella. I mean, there's just as much build talent and knowledge that goes into building one of those as anything else. So I mean, no, I, I have tons of guys. I, I have tons of respect for guys that dabble in other areas not just scale trail and crawling rigs yep exactly okay and then chris trudeau which project has been on the shelf the longest and what's your longest project build do you want me to start do you want to start uh you go for it you'll probably have more to talk about than me well like (laughs) and that wasn't a that wasn't a dig at you i'm just (laughs) you probably have more to talk about than i do (laughs) Um, as Jay mentioned in the thread, everything that I have bought in the last year, well, it's, it's more than just everything I bought in the last year. It's like more than, it's like everything that I bought in the last like two or three years. But, um, all jokes aside, right now I'd have to say my two longest builds, um, has got to be the U, the UC fab build. And that rig that I've been talking about for the longest time, um, the hard body JK, um, that rig is, it's like the one with the full interior, the forward motor mount thing, that one's been sitting almost in the same state since, you know, for about a little over a year now. The UC Fab is kind of like in the same boat for different reasons. Um, as far as the longest rig that's been on the shelf would have to be, the, I mean, if you're going for like, um, like when you're saying like longest on the shelf, like I guess is that the longest that you've owned it? Um, because if that's the case, it's gonna have to be my tow truck, um, aka Rusty Nuts. That is my oldest build to date. Um, that started out as that tow truck, and it has stayed that tow truck since the day I built it in 2013. So, do you think you're done with it, or do you think you're still gonna be doing stuff to it? Um, I haven't really done anything to it. The most I've done to it recently, um, because that's you know that was life as an SEX10 OG original. Um, I did switch out to the SSD uh, 60 axles just to make it a little more realistic, and that is the most I've done to it since it's been built. Um, other than maybe change out the servo, I changed out the power plant. Um, but no, it's pretty much stayed the same. And then I oh, and then I did redo the body at one point as far as like paint wise, just to change it up a little bit. Um, it still has that rusty patina look, but now. I added. Uh, I made the rusty nuts out of a stencil instead of freehanding it with a paint pen, and I think it looks way better. Oh, that's cool. So, but yeah, that's the most I've done. Actually, I got a set of a new set of wheels for it. Just have haven't gotten around to putting it on. I mean, which I feel bad because I because I bugged Greg from CNC 
uh, custom wheels for some some wheels for it, <laughs> and he gets them all done, and they've literally been sitting for like six or seven months. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, personally, like my own like personal rig um, that I've got that has been like an ongoing project and still isn't done. Like you know, like when you look at it, you can tell it's visibly not done. Is the element ram charger i'm building um still need to finish the carpet in it and i need to uh finish the 3d printed roll bar for it and a couple other little things to button it up but it it's close um that thing i've been working on since the fall um haven't had a whole lot of time really to spend on it but just because like there's sor only cars that i'm working on too so it's like the capra it's for the most part done. It still needs rear steer added. Um, Arietti Jr. Can Am. It still needs uh, metal drivetrain and a different ESC. But I did recently put some work into that and painted the beadlock rings. Did Casey Curry's new wrap on it and added a Capra light bar. So that one's getting closer. Um, One Nine Wraith. Um, it looks done, but it's not. There's a lot of stuff sitting for it. Um, it's getting the OG Wraith interior with the bucket seats, not the driver figure that comes in it. So it's going to get like a normal 3D interior, which will be sick. Um, a fuel cell, some radiators, and some uh, window nets and other things to kind of spice it up and make it look a little more real. Um, the one that sat the longest, and it's been a couple-year project, is my uh, the gray Casey Curry Jeep. Um, the SCX 10 2 that has the big teak and brushless system in it and it's the the gray Casey Curry monster energy Jeep um, it still needs an interior and a bunch of other stuff done to it so that that's probably the longest ongoing project is our Casey Curry replica Jeep because there's there's still quite a bit that I'd like to do to that but just haven't had the time it's a lot of it's just time I mean it's like working on my own stuff is such an afterthought you know, and it's like, I got to build a drag car by the end of the month too. So that's been a whole other thing. So I don't know. It, it bothers me not having stuff completed, like having things half done or like having parts robbed off of something like drives me nuts. And like, I can't put a car back on the shelf broken. Like I have to fix it like then and there. So that it's ready to go the next time I need it for something. Otherwise, like it gives me like this weird anxiety having like half put together things laying around. So I, I think that's probably just a weird like racing habit that I have, but uh, well, the the my shelf would drive you nuts. <laughs> it's just it's hard for me, you know. Like I'm I'm like just very detail oriented and stuff, and it just bothers me to have something sitting. So I don't know. No, I I try to keep up the best I can. I get it. Um, I mean, I literally literally have not run the bomber since I did the Ultra Five back wow. in so pulling the so pulling Dude, the that was 2017 yeah so wow. pulling so pulling the electronics out of that didn't really kill me because i you know and it wasn't really it wasn't all the electronics it was just the motor and speed control just because one it was wrong it never should have been in the bomber to begin with um it was not designed for that, so I think it's suitable. It's much more suitable in its home now, but I do have to get something to replace it. Um, 
what it'll be. It'll I'm sure it'll be some sort of homes hobbies setup. I just don't know what yet. Um, most likely, probably the uh, can't even think right now. The Polar Pro, um, with probably with a Mamba X, uh, kind of similar to the same setup I have in my Capra, just probably a little bit higher KV. Um, but yeah, no, I need to. I I should put that back together so I can take it out and enjoy it and drive it. Um, my Wraith is actually, which is one of which is another rig that I have that's been pretty much in that's for, in its form since day one. I robbed the servo horn off of it because it's the least. It's one of it's another vehicle I ver I barely touch anymore. Um. So it's all little things to get mine up and running. It's really not that bad. So it's, you know, the worst, I guess, right now would have to be the motor and ESC in the bomber. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, the U- you're not in a giant hurry to drive it, though, either. So No. It's the same thing with the UC Fab. I want to get it done, but I got, you know, I still got to get a motor and ESC for that. So it's like, you know... You know Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. So it's just like that's that's the thing. It's not like I didn't. It's not like I mean I know people, cough cough, Elio, um, that'll completely take a rig apart down to where it's just a slider, and throw it back up on the shelf. I don't go that far. That'd be hard. <laughs> no, I, I I'm weird. I get attached to stuff, and so that's why I don't like necessarily turning things into something else. You know, I feel you, I feel you on that one, and that is I think the other reason why I have like sixteen cars because <laughs> I can't ever one I can't ever bring myself to getting rid of anything, and two, um, it like you said you get an attachment to it, so it's like that's part of why I don't want to get rid of it. I mean, when I did the Blazer, the old Yeller, there was a guy I literally just finished it, and it was like to that date. That was like my favorite build. Like I was like, oh, this thing's so awesome. It's perfect. It's got this. It's got that. It's you know whatever, dude. Freaking some guy gets on, hits me up on Instagram and says, "How much would you sell that for?" I haven't even driven it yet, and I'm like, <laughs> "It's not for sale. I'm sorry. I just can't do it." And he's like, "Okay, no worries. I was just checking. I really like it." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." I had mentioned it to Michelle, and she goes, "Why didn't you sell it? You probably could have made money." And I'm like, "Going, oh boy." <laughs> I was like, "And go through having to build that all over again?" I'm sorry. I said I put a lot of heart and energy into that. I can't just go and just off it like that. I don't know. I'm weird like that. It's usually so, more money to try and replace something or build it again, and it still never ends up being exactly the way that you want. Like you're almost better just keeping what you have and tweaking on it until it becomes what you're after like i i for the i never was going to retire a rig and i did finally i retired our very first scx 10 which was my gray camo rigid industries jeep and it sits on a shelf now but like even that there's stuff i need to do to it still like i want to replace the hard top on it because it cracked in the back and you know but i mean that's like a super low priority thing because it's just going to sit on a shelf but i i still would like to get it done i'm gonna have to kind of freshen it up a little bit because it's going to be one of our show vehicles at the hobby expo but for sor but 
Yeah, and see, and then that's the hard thing, dude. I don't know. Maybe I need to start doing that too. It's so hard with everything that's coming out. It's so hard to grab something that is so old and bring it out and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna run this this time," you know? Because it's like you always want to show. You always want to be running what you're like the latest and greatest. You always want to be showing off your latest build, and it's like, so how could you go? Yeah, I'm gonna go grab my like ten year old build and go hit the trail. Dude, that's all I ever did, though. Like, honestly, like, the past, like, four years until I got picked up by Associated and Element, that, that was my go-to rig. And it was an OG SCX-10. Like, I had had several SCX-10-2s, and I still always picked my OG one for any kind of trail runs and stuff. Like, it was just Old Faithful for me, you know? Like, it had been through two Axial Fests. It was the only rig that I had driven there. And, you know, it's like, it's just kind of... I don't know, it's a sentimental favorite, and, like, it was just always my go-to rig because it just always worked, and it did everything really, really well. Not, you know, outstanding in any one particular area, but I felt like it was, like, the perfect combo of scale and performance, you know, because it had over-unders and stuff and um, did an XR mod, and, you know, it was, like, I, I kind of made it, like, as good a performing one as you could do with a uh, OG SCX-10 and still maintain the stock chassis and stuff like that. You know, I put a chassis mounted servo on it and did a lot of things to kind of modernize it. But I mean, dude, that, that is like, I don't know. I'll never sell it. Like it'll just sit here, but that was like always my go-to favorite rig. And the, the Ram charger has replaced that. Cause that's kind of my go-to now. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I don't really, well, I guess my go-to now has been my technically my very first SCX-10-2 that I've ever gotten, which started life as a kit, and it was the Cherokee, and now it's the JK. That is like my new go-to, and it's been my go-to for I don't know how, like, that's been, it's been my go-to rig for I don't know how long now. Like, well, that's um, a good choice, too, because, like, that body crawls really well. It's not overly top-heavy. It doesn't get in the way or hung up. Like, that Jeep body performs really well on those rigs. Oh yeah, um, and the reason why I went back, to, or the reason why I went from a Cherokee to a JK is, it's—I'll be honest. I saw this rig called Rubiclunk on Instagram. If we circle back to when we were saying, you know, follow people, um, and he had his Jeep set up. It was all matte black with gold, with a gold roll cage, gold wheels gold stickers and you know logos on it and i'm like i gotta build something like that that's where that whole inspiration came from that one is that and your blazer are probably my two favorites that you have your well, yellow blazer i i really like that blazer too i almost wish it was a leaf sprung rig i don't know if i should go down that you know, it rabbit would look hole. So good. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm saying do it. It would look so good and be so much more authentic. I mean, more authentic than it already is. Obviously the, you know, the one thing I will say this though, it's going to be hard converting to a leaf setup because you don't have a lot of good shock options about the best I could see you being able to do to make it look real and have it be awesome is probably run a set of Proline um, Power Stroke Scalar shocks and take them to a machinist and uh, you know pull the pre the preload collars off, take them to a machinist and have them turn down the threads so that it's just a smooth shock body. 
take the springs off and uh, run a set of Proline shocks like you would a regular set of automotive shocks on a leaf spring rig. Um, a lot of the others, I think, are going to look too big and be goofy, or you just get really crappy ones that leak, like the RC four-wheel drives and stuff like that that you want to kind of stay away from because they they don't provide any real kind of damping whatsoever. So I, I would stick with an oil shock, and uh, if you're looking to have it look super realistic, have somebody with a lathe turn down that shock body and ditch the thread so it's smooth. That would be a really, really sharp-looking setup. You know, you probably, like, you know, we got to stop leaking all of our ideas because watch, you watch, there'll be somebody like Vanquish or like SSD is going to come out with a shock, or even Proline is going to come out with a shock this year just for leaf-sprung rigs. Which would be cool. I hope it catches on that crazy. I, I think that would be sick. It's just, I, I think that that's something that's necessary in the market because, like, even the ones that do look the part, like, let's say the RC four-wheel drive Bilstein shocks, and uh, some of the old man emu ones and stuff, like they still don't hold oil or anything, you know, like they're still just a boingy, crappy shock that doesn't really provide any kind of real damping. And especially with a leaf spring rig, you're going to want some good sort of damping to help combat um, spring wrap and axle hop too. So, I mean, it's, it's going it, to, there's going to be some setup things that are going to be pretty necessary if you're looking to get it to perform if you just want it to be some you know trail clunker or whatever and you don't care then run whatever you know but like if you're looking to like dial it in and get the most performance out of it like a lot of people are going to try and do i think the the shock choice is going to be very uh, crucial on that rig oh yeah um jeremy kim asks what is your expectations for the 2020 year and what is your New Year's resolution for this year? Well, my expectation is, and if you're going for as far as like the year as a whole, my expectation, is, like as far as like the scale world, my expectation is just like to have some awesome releases, um, continue to grow the hobby in a positive way, start start weaning out a lot of the BS and the drama, the stuff that just isn't needed anymore. Um, I know we've ranted about that a lot in the last couple episodes, but um, that would be my expectations for this year, um, and just watch out for those awesome releases, you know, for when they come out. Uh, oh, and I'm just, I guess I'll say it now. Uh, one of my... Um, expectations is to start kind of pushing the whole support your local hobby shop kind of deal um, another hobby shop which is actually the one that I got started with um, which actually got where's where I got my first SCX 10 um, kit back in the day back in 2009 um, Talbot's hobbies or Talbot's Toyland is what it is but their hobby department is what got me started on this um, they're closing their doors at the end of the month um, oh. for good. So it's kind of a sad day because, or it's a you know sad time because it's like you know a lot of the a lot of the hobby shops are getting you know beat out by online retail, whether it's Amazon, uh, bigger hobby shops. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the RPPs and the A mains um, in the in the horizons. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. But if you can get something semi-local, just you know, spread the wealth around. You know, like you don't, you know. I know it's really, it's real tempting and easy to just get online, put everything in a shopping cart, 
click order and it all shows up. But if there's little things you can go buy at a local hobby shop, you know, support your local hobby shop, you know. Otherwise, they're going to be a thing of the past and everything will have to be online. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and as far as New Year's resolution, uh, my resolution this year is, and I'm just going to stick this one to the show related, um, is just push that scale RC show. I want to, I want us to grow. I want us to p- start putting out, you know, some awesome content, um, better content that we've d- than what we've done last year. Um, really, just grow and just like push, you know, this because I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's a great avenue um, to kind of put out our opinions, our views, um, and just to interact with people. I mean, and yeah, that's pretty much it. How about you? Oh man. Um, well, as far as the show goes, like I'm a hundred percent on the same page as you, um, make this bigger and bigger and better for the people listening and, uh, you know, just keep upping the fun level for you and I because it's been a really good time, and I don't see—I uh, really don't see that slowing down anytime soon. It's the feedback we've gotten from people has been amazing, and uh, I'm super excited for this year. So that, um, like, business-wise, um, I want to be more available to my customers. Like, I want to post more interact with them more and that's something i've been just too busy to be able to do in the past so like i would like to do like you know a quick video update each week talking about what's coming up and some of the things that we're going to be working on and releasing so i would just like to uh just meet be more active and be more available to customers um as far as myself goes, I think stepping away from the club last year and dissolving that was probably one of the best things that I could have done. Um, I'm very excited for working with Die Hard RC on their Scale RC Park. Um, the local crawler community came together last year and uh, put together a trail system in there, and it was one of the most fun things I've ever done. And the course that we're building now for the hobby expo has been like, I've never worked with cement or anything like that before. Any kind of like, just even like sculpting on a basic level. And I have had so much fun working with Brett Wilson, Tyler Wilbur and Jesse Austin building this mobile course. It is, it's been just, you wouldn't like it. It's hard work. And there was a lot, like it was kind of an emotional roller coaster because it's like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Is it going to be too thin? What's going to happen? Like we were just kind of learning as we went. And uh, Brett almost gave up on it. And he called me up and uh, I came over and he was there working on it. And uh, I was just absolutely pumped on what I saw. I was like, dude, this is awesome. He's like, really? I was ready to scrap it. And I was like, oh my God, no, no, this is, this is going in an awesome direction. So, uh, I'll be excited to get um, some pictures up of that as it's coming along and coming together so that people can check it out. That's been a super fun thing. And that's just kind of another new thing that I've tried for 2020 is like I've just doing some really cool projects with friends. Like I'm, I'm such a loner most of the time and I just work on stuff by myself and I've had such a good time working with other people and uh, trying different ideas and approaches to things. And like, sometimes it can be a real mess when you have like, you know, like too many chiefs and not enough Indians working on a project, but 
any of the things that I've done regarding Die Hard RC hasn't been a situation like that. Like it just everything that we've touched has kind of just magically gelled and come together and worked out. And it, it's really a great feeling. And it's like when you have teamwork like that, where you're accomplishing so much and there, you don't have the friction or the clash of ideas or egos, like, dude, it, it's an amazing feeling. And it, it's one of the most fun things I've ever experienced. So, you know, this year I look forward to, uh, spending almost all my spare time helping die hard with their program you know i'll be hosting events out there of uh different kinds with scale rc and drag racing and uh really just put together some fun programs for people this summer um you know another that and just like taking the time to enjoy stuff like i've been like the last two last really like the last two years like i've been on like this whole personal growth kick and want to be a more positive person and there there's like i've made a lot of life changes um for people that don't know i used to race motorcycles professionally and uh i retired in 2011 and my my body really paid a pretty heavy price for all those years that i abused it and so i've had a lot of health issues um one of which was I had been on prescription painkillers since 2009 when I had destroyed my ankle and uh, I was taking them for arthritis. Um, you know, I've got really bad arthritis throughout my body now and especially in that left ankle that I hurt. And uh, I was finally able to kick, um, kick needing prescribed pain pills. So that was one of the best things because like they affect your mood, you feel groggy and like you feel overly warm because of what it does to your metabolism. And on top of that, you know, like I was worried what it was doing to my liver and my kidneys and stuff. And so, uh, being able to kick those, like, I'm not saying like, I was like a drug addict, like, you know, street drugs or anything like that. But like, I very much had developed over the course of 10 or I guess it'd be closer to eight years, but developed a dependency on those to be able to function, you know, like my body just got used to having it all the time. And when I would run out of them, I'd go through gnarly withdrawal symptoms and stuff like that. And, uh, no, I just, you know, getting, getting all of that and the chemicals out of my system and stuff from some of these prescriptions that I was on has been such a big help and everything. And like, it's improved my mood, um, my enthusiasm for just life and everything else in general. So I just, I want to keep working on being a more patient and understanding person because once you get your mind wrapped around how to achieve that, you just end up having way more fun every day in life. And, uh, you know, we're really fortunate to be in this industry and do the things that we do. And I, I want to take full advantage of that, you know, like I want to experience every high and low that comes with building something or racing and winning or losing and the things like that. Like I want to experience all of that with like, you know, kind of a clear mind and not in that like medicated fog that I've been living in for such a long time. So, you know, it's funny, like that things like that can affect you in such a way. So that's kind of my big thing is just keep working on being a healthier person mentally and physically. And uh, in turn, that's going to let me enjoy this hobby to its full potential basically awesome that was a mouthful sorry <laughs> no it's okay um we got two double dippers 
um, we'll get through them because they're more comical than serious, and then we'll wrap it on up. But uh, Elliot Chapel, if you drop a bar of soap on the floor, is the floor clean or the soap dirty? You know, a little of both. Well, it depends on like what kind of floor you're dropping it on. And are you dropping the contact surface too, like the contact area of the soap hitting the floor? Yeah, I mean, like, okay. So, for instance, let's say you're in a big walk-in shower, okay, and you drop the soap on the floor. Is that is that dirty or is it clean? Hmm. I I'm gonna say the soap is going to be dirty, no matter what, and the floor will have some very diluted spots of clean from where the soap made contact with it. That's what I say. I wouldn't say the floor is clean by any means because unless it's like a disinfectant soap, like, you know, like a so, some sort of antibacterial soap, you're not really cleaning it. That soap wasn't designed to clean the floor. Yeah. I'm glad so. that we're here to answer these big questions for people. Yeah. You know, like, because this is honestly like, I mean, I've, I've been kept up nights wondering about this if I drop the soap. And uh, if you yeah. drop this, <laughs> it, it, it's always been a fear. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Elliot, what the hell are you doing to us? Go like go be a kid. <laughs> what are you doing right now? Practice. Don't you have don't you have Call of Duty or uh, what's that other one Fortnite to play? No, dude, this kid lives and breathes RC. Like he does have like some other stuff. Like he plays um, Magic: The Gathering with some of our other friends and stuff. But Elliot, like he he is a very dedicated person to RC. And like actually, let's take a minute to talk about Elliot because Elliot is a phenomenal young man. Um, his parents have two other fairly young children and so they don't always get the chance to spend time with him doing the things that he wants to do because the other kids are kind of too little to leave him unattended so a lot of us in this local community and again this is one of the reasons why diehard means so much to me and why we've you know sor has been sponsoring it for like five years now the community is kind of like adopted elliot as far as RC goes, um, we brought him onto our team this year to kind of help groom him and have him work with my son, who's like arguably one of the fastest racers in this area of the country. And uh, he, we're pretty lucky to have him here at our disposal. So he's Elliot's able to kind of uh, work with Travis and learn some stuff and uh, especially the mental side of racing. And uh, Elliot recently got a crawler. Uh, he bought our uh, UMG 10 that we had here that I had done. And uh, he spends a lot of his time on maintenance, which is kind of unheard of for such a young man. Um, most kids just want to have fun and beat on stuff and don't really want to learn the upkeep side of things and taking care of your rig so it takes care of you. And... I'm glad that he's getting this racing background because he's carrying that over into his scaler by cleaning it and these opportunities that he takes to clean it. He's looking for broken parts, loose screws, things like that. Um, it gives him a chance to go over his rig. So like he's developing a lot of really cool habits, but like we'll, 
we'll take Elliot and like take him up crawling with us. Um, his parents will meet me at one of the parking rides or parking rides on I five, and I'll meet them there and take Elliot up to Anacortes and we'll go crawling for the day, and then I'll take him back. And he's just a great kid, and he volunteers at Die Hard, uh, helping out with RC University, which is their novice program. So Elliot makes sure on race day, and this is no small feat either, because race day is crazy there. Like this last race they had, there was over 220 entries. So it's a lot of people. And Elliot's not only racing and paying attention to his program during the day, he's making sure everybody has cars that are charged up and working that have uh, rented buggies to race for that particular race day so um for him to take on that responsibility of maintaining that fleet of like i want to say 10 cars it's pretty awesome for a 14 year old to do so uh elliot is a very special person that we have in our community and uh, he's thought really highly of and he's just he's an outstanding young man and not only that but like dude like he's he's just a good friend like he's so fun to hang out with at the races and go crawling with like if there ever was an old soul like an example of that that would be elliot like he's he's just a great kid i mean if i'd adopt him if i could he's wonderful and uh this this area is a better place to have him and people like him in it awesome no it's it's good there's yeah there it's always awesome when there's you know the younger generation <clears throat> that actually seems like they got a good head on their shoulders and they're not a bunch of spazzes running around um no that's always awesome um last one last double dipper Kyle Predmore will my phone be ringing someday <laughs> um, well this is like one of those open ended questions like well it, It'll ring, you know, is, you know... Do you have it set your, to it, silent or vibrate? Yeah, it, or, you know, is your boss going to call you? Is your is your lady going to call you? Is your parents going to call you? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. I mean, yeah. Is, I mean, are we going to call you? Most likely not. But well, maybe someday. We, we might have to have Kyle on the show. Um, he's an interesting story, and he's a hilarious, high-energy person. So he, he actually would be some pretty great entertainment to have like that. I think we should probably do that this year because, honestly, I think Kyle would crack you up, dude. He's a funny guy. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's one of those – that was a funny – I guess you could say, like, you know, one of those silly questions. Oh, very yeah. simple. <laughs> so just trying to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. And, dude, you know what you need to do? You need to make a wrap for Elliot's car with E.T. on it. <laughs> <laughs> right because <laughs> <laughs> dude as soon as you say elliot that's all i can think about ouch <laughs> elliot oh man i haven't seen that since i was little like that was one of the first movies i think i saw in a theater like that's how old i am like i saw empire strikes back in the theater that's how old i am Really? The first time, not the redone second time in the 90s when they had done the whatever enhanced digital version or whatever remastered. But uh, no, I, I saw that in the theater for the first time. That was like, I think, my first movie. So that was kind of crazy. Man, what an old fart. I know. it. Old, disgusting human being. 
<laughs> no, actually, wretched I and rotting and old. <laughs> now I know, like this is like totally off topic, but since you kind of brought it up, um, actually, I was watching two movies last, not last night, uh, over the weekend that kind of brought back my childhood because I remember watching them. Uh, growing up, the original uh, Ninja Turtles movies. Oh my gosh! So the one with the dude from uh, was Stabler from. Um, God damn it! Yeah, Chris, whatever his name is, he played Casey Jones in that movie. Yep. That, yep. That's okay. That's one you're thinking of then. Yeah. Yeah, he um so I it's the first one it's it's the old school ones like you know where like where uh Splinter is you know the it's like a big puppet like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no. It, it it I think the first one was from 1990 or 91 and then the second one came out in 93 and the third one came out I want to say around 94 95. And they have the first two on Netflix right now, so I was oh, watching really? them. Yeah, it was funny. Michelle was like, what are you watching? I said, movies of my youth. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's so, awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't really like the Michael Bay one with Megan Fox and stuff. That one just didn't really do much for me. But like, I never, I never, I never saw that one. I haven't seen any of the Ninja Turtle ones since the originals. It's not so, as good, dude. Like the costume and puppet work of the other one, like was something about it was just cooler than all the CGI, you know, it was just, it was more interesting. Yeah. And, and it, what's funny is the, um, I always get a kick out of like, okay, that movie came out. Like I said, the first one came out in like 91. And then even in the one in 93, the second one that came out, had a guest, I guess, cameo appearance by Vanilla Ice when really? he was. Fr- oh, that's right. Yeah, cause yeah, cause he was in that nightclub or whatever you want to call it, and they, he was doing like some sort of like show, and you know they were battling the other two uh, mutants, uh, and it was like. It was kind of funny to watch that because it's like to see the style and like what was in in the early 90s and to see what's like in and what's in style now it just blows your mind it's kind of like the whole rc thing it's like it's like it's so weird to say like okay because if you think about it i've been in rc or i've been in the scale crawler rc since about 2009 2010 so we're going on 2020 that's 10 years of scale of scale crawlers that's nuts. I wish I would have gotten involved in it younger. That would have been so cool. I just well, like anything. I turned my nose up at it and was like, yeah, it looks dumb. Well, he, here's where it really, like I said, and I've said this in the past, this is where it really took off for me. When I first got my first SCX-10 kit and built it, I literally built it, and it was almost like one of those things. It was like what I called like what most people think a hobby is. You build it. I ran it around in the backyard. We went up to we went up and rented a cabin in Tahoe. I drove it around, took a couple pictures. You know, then I discovered RC Crawler, the forum, and kind of threw up a couple pictures. It wasn't until around 2000, 
I want to say 12-ish when I started going to events that got me like that's when it was like went off the deep end and it just blew up for me. It was like before that it was kind of like, you know, oh yeah, I just, you know, everything was like bolt on, you know, nothing custom, you know, didn't have a welder, didn't do anything like that. It was all bolt on like and you and you had a slim choice. You know, there was only um you only had a hand like I literally think you only have three or four proline tires to choose from. Mm-hmm. Proline didn't have designated crawler bodies. Um yeah, so I mean the times have changed big time. So yeah, it's kinda cool. And it's just not gonna slow down anytime soon. It's just gonna get so much better. Oh yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, does it. I mean, I think this was a good first episode back and sorry if it was a little long in the tooth. Yeah, that's okay. We had a lot to cover though. So no, I don't think anybody will mind. There was a lot we needed to talk about. So, so no, that'll be cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, they'll just remember that the highlight of the show was when Jay said he stays up late at night worried about dropping the soap. Yeah, it, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very real fear. <laughs> oh man, we're so but, ridiculous. Oh yeah, right on. So. Well, guys, um, we're ten minutes shy of two hours, so I guess we should probably leave you all alone. So, uh, I, as far as I know, we'll be doing another episode next week. Um, We'll have to do some talking and figure out who to have on. One of the things I really want to do this year, and it might be kind of hard, but I would like to dive into the history of some of the rigs that have helped shape the hobby into what it is. And one of the things I'd like to do is dedicate an episode to the Axial Wraith and work on getting their um, lead designer that handled that project on the show and... uh, give us a little bit of a history lesson as far as like the Wraith and where it came from and stuff, because I feel like that'd be a really interesting story. And it was a first rig for a lot of people. And Uh uh, I think it's just a noteworthy vehicle that should be, uh, you know, kind of celebrated a little bit, I think. So I, I, I think that would be cool if we can make that happen. I would really enjoy that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, some awesome things coming on the horizon. Um, And, yeah, we'll leave you there. Cool. Well, guys, um, happy belated New Year. And, uh, man, just stay eager and excited for what this year is going to bring because I guarantee it's going to be uh, pretty incredible. So take it easy, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See you.